Hey there, my name is Srirag and you're listening to Project Passion. I'm so happy about all the love that you've sent me this past week. Last week's episode was a bit of an experiment for me and just the number of people that got in touch with me telling me that it resonated with them. I mean even if just one person had gotten in touch with me and said that it resonated with them, I would be more than happy to make such episodes in the future. And I have an interesting ep- list of episodes coming up. Uh my friend and I are actually going to team up next week. to tell you about uh, behavioral economics sort of a crash course sort of thing from two people who are neither behavioral psychologists nor economists just people who love to read about this stuff if anybody in the audience is actually an economist or a behavioral psychologist and would like to be on next week with us i'd actually really appreciate it so please do get in touch with me but probably it's just going to be me and him The week after that I actually have an interview with a lawyer turned yoga teacher. It's a pretty interesting interview. Uh, we talk about uh, passion and uh, you know the struggle with actually letting go of something which you've somewhat invested your um, time in and you know realizing that you are actually in love with something else and then deciding to just go and get it it's a it's a fun interview it's a fascinating interview and i have had a lot of questions about yoga in general so i think uh, it definitely answered a whole bunch of my questions and hopefully if you have any of those same questions you can find some answers to it too the week has been a bit harsh i think for uh, people who are uh, from india if uh, you don't know the news um, an indian actor sushant singh rajput was found dead in his uh, apartment out of respect i'm not going to go further into the details of the death but um, suffice to say he wasn't in the happiest of uh, states of mind apparently he was under treatment for depression for about 6 uh, months or so and i mean nobody deserves to go like that and nobody deserves to live with that going on inside their head and i think what i find truly inspiring though about this entire incident is that it has actually inspired a whole bunch of conversations throughout india and that has been quite uh, a stunning thing to watch as uh, people who are usually i mean if you're from india you'll know that it's not something that indians in general are comfortable talking about and i was telling this to my friend the other day that one of the greatest watershed moments that i thought in malayalam cinema especially is in this movie called kumbhalangi nights where this man who is clearly suffering from depression breaks down and tells his brother to find him help and then goes to the psychologist and actually starts crying these are sequences and um, images which you never get to see if you're watching solely indian cinema it's not something that we as a people are comfortable expressing or i don't know if it is something general which maybe 
literally every Asian culture or maybe even like every global culture is, is uncomfortable expressing. But definitely us as a culture, we have a lot of trouble opening up to people. So watching that happen in front of me, you know, it just, it just makes me feel like maybe one day we do have hope that, you know, we will be in a society where we are able to talk to each other and are able to um, reach out if we ever need help. And you have to understand this, that if you do need help, it is your responsibility to reach out and ask for it. It's, it's so important to just turn around to someone and say, you know, I need help. But on to today's episode. So our guest today is Alessia Schuler. She is a personal stylist from Russia who's made Germany her home with her Swiss husband. Yes, we get into a whole bunch of her traveling in the interview as well. Fashion is such a fascinating thing to me, even though I am not really a person to care a lot for dressing up myself. I've always considered fashion to be something of a cultural marker something that can instantly tell you, for example, the time period and the mood of a moment in time when you look at a photograph or a film. So this turned out to be quite an interesting episode and I'm so sad that I kept it away from you for so long. I actually recorded, I think, a couple of weeks ago now, but it's only now making it to the platform. As always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever your platform of choice. Here's Alessia. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump right into it. Um, so tell me about you. Who is Alessia? <laughs> um, my name is Alessia, and it's a pleasure to be here on your podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was born in Russia, uh, but currently I'm living in Germany since almost 10 years actually and um, right now I'm working as a personal stylist Um, and the last pretty much nine years so ever since I came to Germany I've been working in the fashion industry um, and decided to do something in this industry that I very much like but then independently on my own and see if I can start something new. So what is um... What is fashion to you? Well, let's imagine there are aliens who just came to planet Earth. What is sure. fashion? Exactly. Fashion is how we humans very often unconsciously or subconsciously express ourselves. So every day we wake up and we have to get dressed. And the question comes of what do you wear today? Um, it concerns both men and women, concerns everybody. and for me, this is probably one of the easiest way to show who you are. There's even a quote about that, that fashion is a way of saying who you are without having to speak. So we know that there's this three second assessment of the other person in front of you. And I think probably 70% of it, apart from your face, happens through what you're wearing, what's your appearance, what do you care about, and things like that. So do you think it's more apparent for you than for other people? Like when you see somebody, are you automatically just making judgments about them inside your head? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't 
use the word judgment, but I mean, you, you I know think, what I mean. <laughs> you know that you know, like some people say, I make sneaker contact before I make eye contact. So, like you check out the other person's sneakers. I definitely pay attention to what's happening, um, and to add to the question, what is fashion? This is also a very uh, a very changeable thing. This is something that has ups and downs and this comes in and this goes out and this happens and it definitely reflects social and political um, changes in the society so the period that we're in right now um, which is probably in the middle of the one of the biggest changes um, that um, at least for the 21st century we're experiencing this is very interesting to see what will be happening soon but Definitely, you know, I, I take a look at what's going on, especially while traveling, because this is very interesting what is happening in other countries. Obviously, I haven't been doing much of this recently, but uh, very much looking forward to doing it soon again. So you mentioned something about, uh, I, I forget uh, the exact term that you use, something about mm-hmm. sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> I, make, I make sneaker contact before I make eye contact. Sneaker contact, exactly. So <laughs> I've, I've also noticed about like... Um, I feel like sneaker culture is a big thing, especially in the last, uh, I don't know, 10, 10, 15 years. Do you have any theories as to why that is? Like why suddenly out of nowhere sneakers became so um, important? Like a cult status. Yeah. Um, so there is even a special term for people who are crazy about sneakers and spend... Sneakerheads, sure. Sneakerheads. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I think as sport started playing a more and more important role in our society which is let's say beginning of the 20th century with tennis and things like that and as probably two of the biggest players in the sporting goods industry ever adidas and uh, nike became uh, major players in the industry and it started equipping athletes better and better in the 70s 80s and sport became very accessible, the, the culture of the sneaker became very important because it is a shoe that needs to perform. It is a shoe that needs to have a certain look. And at the end of the day today, it is also a shoe that you can wear with pretty much any outfit. I mean, take fashion week, street style pictures. You can wear sneakers with a dress. You can wear sneakers with a suit. And this is quite a unique feature of this accessory because this does not happen with many other pieces of clothing that we wear. And so, of course, having something that is exclusive, having something that is made by Kanye West, that is worn by Kim Kardashian or Michael Jordan, makes you, makes you feel special, makes you also belong to a certain group. I have conversations with uh, my mother and you know, people of uh, maybe a different generation and um... For them, it's 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 quite mind blowing. I think the amount mm-hmm. of obsession that, uh, especially our generation, has with uh, sneakers, and even the generation after, I think. But yeah, so w- what got you specifically interested in uh, fashion? I think we're all born with with a certain sense for it, and definitely our childhood and uh, where we live and how we live and our family influences that. But I can't say that there was a specific moment where I got interested in it. Um, I mean, in Eastern Europe, where I'm from, um, women tend to dress quite femininely and pay a lot of attention to their appearance. So this is something that you just kind of, that you just kind of have in your blood, because when you look around, uh, this is what 
the women look like. So you grow up like this. And then um, I definitely knew that the industry was very interesting for me. So when I did my master's in uh, business, I thought that I definitely want to see how the industry looks like from the business point of view. And so I went to Milan um, and did an exchange there and saw that it was not only appealing to me as a consumer, as something that I like to buy and I enjoy observing and I like to try to understand, but it's also actually a big industry and an industry that has various segments in it, a luxury segment, a mass market segment, a huge watch and jewelry segment. And I think that's where my interest, inherent interest, fused with uh, the possibility to make a career in this field and to excel also business-wise in this area. And you're no longer in the industry directly, right? Well, I think I am in a way. So after yeah, after I mean, 10 years of working for global brands like Adidas, for example, yeah, I, mean, I wasn't you're a not, You're not part of a massive conglomerate anymore. No, no, exactly. Yeah, you're right. I'm not uh, employed by a company anymore. I'm self-employed. So this, this makes a difference for me, definitely, because I'm not attached to any brand, which is also great sometimes, but I'm more of an independent observer, so to say, with my preferences, you know, and kind of ideas about things. Was that a difficult choice to make, to switch over to being self-employed? <laughs> If someone would have told me a year ago, you're going to be self-employed in 12 months, I would have laughed so hard and said, no, 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 I have a very different plan. Listen, pal, you got it wrong. But it sort of happened. But on the other hand, I think I was ready. Having had an amazing, you know, amazing experiences in many companies, different roles, different geographic locations. I think I was ready to start something that would be my own. And it's definitely very challenging. And every day I question, was this the right thing to do? You know, is this still the right thing to do? Am I going to manage? But this is part of the growth process. And the growth has been tremendous in the last, let's say, 10 to, to 12 months. This has been really interesting. And what you've grown into is a... Personal stylist and personal shopper personal stylist and personal shopper. So maybe you can tell us what that exactly is. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, this is something that is um, very widespread in certain areas of the world, like Eastern Europe or the US, but not very popular in uh, Europe yet. So this is a person who helps you to look and feel great because of what you're wearing. I work with all kinds of people I understand their needs and very often I save their time and I rid them of their frustrations, which they have when they get dressed or when they go shopping. So it is about working with what the person already has in their closet, but also about this is when the personal shopper role comes in also about assisting them in buying new clothes that will help them transform in what they want to become. So when you were speaking earlier, I think you'd mentioned that there's a lot of psychology involved in person styling as well. You maybe touch a little bit upon that. Yeah, absolutely. So some people say that it's basically like when the person is not ready to go to a shrink, they first come to the personal stylist because often we are ready for something to change uh, or we're ready for a certain change inside of us. And the way to express this is definitely through the outside. So 
in the way we dress. And often the person who comes to a personal stylist and says, look, I'd like to dress differently. I'm sick and tired of my wardrobe and I don't know what works for me anymore. They're growing through a certain change. And it is often very helpful to ask them directly or to try to figure out during the brief interview that I do with my clients, what is actually the reason for them to turn to you? And it could be, for example, uh, that they just started a new relationship or they just got out of one. That they're changing jobs, either they would like to or they've just done it. That they are taking a new career path uh, or they're thinking about making a big step in a different direction. Or, you know, it's a totally new environment for them. For example, like a young mom and she had uh, a job before and now clothes need to have a very different function. They need to be comfortable. You need to be able to do things in them. But you, they all, I mean, she doesn't want to give up looking good and maybe she has a different budget. So these are all the changes that are going on. And very often you just feel like you need to change something. And so you say, okay, um, I'm not happy with my looks. Why don't I hire somebody to help me? And that's where I come in. So I'm guessing you get into a lot of uh, conversations with your clients about uh, things other than just clothes. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a lot about trust. And I try to be uh, very gentle and very, very empathic uh, with my uh, clients. But yes, I have to ask certain questions to do my job well. And when do you usually see, um, or maybe I should ask in a different way. So (laughs) when should somebody seek a personal stylist, do you think? Is it always at like crossroads or? um... Mm, Not necessarily. No, it can be just, you know, uh, when you are, when you are frustrated about getting dressed in the morning because you don't know what works for you anymore. You always wear the same thing. You spend actually a lot of time and money on shopping, but you're still not satisfied with your look. Uh, Or maybe when, um, often your life has changed but your closet hasn't so for example the example of a young mom is a very good example when uh the circumstances and the way you spend your day and your week are very different from what your wardrobe is used to or what you're used to picking out of your wardrobe so let's say she was a businesswoman and she has suits in her closet but actually all what she needs now are like comfortable clothes, clothes that are easy to style, clothes that are easy to take care of. She doesn't have time to go to the dry cleaning. So she needs to put them into the washing machine and, and you know, that's it. So when you are not satisfied with the way you look and when you want to change something about your appearance, that is probably when you should seek out the help of a professional. I mean, it's the same as with, let's say, hair color. You don't, you're not happy about your haircut anymore. What do you do? You, you, know, you don't try to self-help unless you're quarantined. <laughs> <laughs> you go to a hairdresser. You get a professional, you'd get a professional service. Same with, let's say, a dentist for teeth cleaning or anything. And this is, this is a, a rather new area, but it's the same principle. You're not happy about something. You want to change about something. You don't have the time. So you pay somebody to take care of the problem. <laughs> That's a, that's a really funny way to look at it. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. How do you usually charge the clients? Is it um, as a commission on top of the clothes that they buy? Or is it usually like a per session by session thing? Um, so there are different approaches. Some people charge by the hour. 
some people uh, indeed take uh, a lump sum and a commission on top of the purchase that the client makes with you. I have chosen for me a package approach where mm. a certain service costs a certain amount of money. And of course, in some cases, I spend more time on it. And in other cases, it takes me a little bit less time. But I just think that, you know, doing the kind of everyone gets the same treatment approach doesn't work because the needs are very different. And with certain people, you know, we spend one hour on the interview because they have so much to tell me and because I need to dig deeper. And with other people, the interview takes 30 minutes because it's pretty straightforward. And, you know, they tell me upfront, this, this is what I need. And this is what my issues are. That's that. So I try to do it custom made, so to say, and to approach every case individually. Yeah, so I think you mentioned a little bit about the beginning parts of the process. So you usually have an interview and then, so do you, after that, go and do research or do you just jump right into finding the specific looks that would be right for the person or do you have tie-ups with only like certain vendors? How does that part of it work? So the most important thing actually during the interview is to try to understand the true need of your client. So I would ask uh, them to tell me about themselves, what they do, what their day and week looks like. So for example, they spend 70% of their time at the office and then the 20% are meetings in the evenings and with clients, for example. So I try to understand what is their lifestyle, why they have come to me, if some things have changed or what is the need. And then I definitely... First and foremost, and most of the time in writing, I define the goal for our work together because mm. this is the most important thing. For some people, they just need a small travel capsule wardrobe. So for men, let's say it would be a suit, additional pants, three or four shirts, a couple of accessories, something they can fit into a carry-on luggage. It doesn't wrinkle, it styles all together. They can travel for three or four days with that and uh, be perfectly outfitted for any occasion, be it a business meeting, drinks with a client, or let's say going out in the evening. Or it could be that a girl needs a complete wardrobe uh, makeover. So these are very different goals and they will definitely define how I will proceed, how I will work, how much time I will need, and of course the outcome and whether we will maybe work together again. Whenever I watch like award shows or anything like that, the, the thought that always runs through my head is just how boring men's fashion is, especially <laughs> when you get to like uh, you know, uh, fancy events. I, I can't imagine how, like, I feel like that would be more of a challenge, uh, especially when you are not allowed to be as um, you know, vibrant as possible uh, with, uh, <laughs> with and than the other end of the spectrum where you can pretty much go crazy and nobody would you know, yeah. look twice. Yeah, it's true. But on the other hand, I think that's also the nature of men's, the essence of men. You know, I think it's less is more in a way. We also, we as women, we also do, you know, makeup and hair and nails and there's just so much going on. Whereas... Uh, for men, it's just too much. So it is limited for a certain reason. I think it's quite natural. Um, it's quite natural uh, that it is like that. But I agree with you. On the other hand, I, I personally think there's nothing better than a white crispy shirt 
with a well-fitted suit for a man. It's just, you're just dressed, that's it. So simple. It's this, you know, there's, there's this notion of a wardrobe, um, wardrobe uniform for women where you combine the skirt, a blouse, jacket, pants, blouse, jacket, like simple solutions. Men just have that readily available. <laughs> you don't even need to reinvent it. This is genius. It's so easy. Uh, I think I think that might just be the patriarchy at play a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure uh, your sessions were affected by um, quarantine. Um, are you have you started to get clients again, or uh, were you already taking clients during the quarantine break? Or yeah, I actually was rather concerned about the whole thing. I have to say, I was concerned more about um, how the consumption uh, would uh, change in general. And also for me personally, during the quarantine and after this time, more, you know, in the sense of, is there going to be some sort of rebirth in our consciousness and how we consume not only fashion, but many other things, uh, um, you know, how we shop, how we buy things. But I think despite what I, what I kind of, thought people still want to consume during the quarantine and especially after the quarantine. What I see here in Germany happening is that the moment it was relatively safe and we were allowed, you know, people got out and they wanted to be well-dressed and they wanted to go out and have something to drink or to eat. So for me, I was quite lucky because I had some work uh, during the quarantine and I also invested a lot of time in self-education. So it was kind of like a a luxury that I had that I could do it. And now um, I'm basically going one level higher in terms of the scope of my business. And I'm going to try to work with more brands and reach out to influencers and see if I can basically scale and uh, grow. So for me, I was affected by coronavirus, but uh, I think I'm one of the lucky ones who could use the time to self-improve and really reshuffle my plans and plan for growth. So, so talking about consumption, um, I've always had a lot of, um, especially right now, there's a lot of um, you know chatter that's going on about um, fast fashion and mm-hmm. uh, you know, sustainability and things like that. So how do you think uh, that sort of conversation is affecting the industry in a way? I think it's a conversation that is definitely happening and the conversation is serious. So there is, for example, an initiative to decrease the number of fashion shows and the number of collections to give Mm. people creatives, uh, production, uh, everybody kind of space to breathe and to do what they do best, which is being creative and not be under so much pressure. So, The conversation is happening. I think it is going to affect certain brands. On the other hand, I feel like the bigger shift will take longer. So we're at the beginning of um, this change of the pattern. And it's at the moment, I think, difficult to say where exactly it's going to go and with which brands and with which conglomerates, uh, because the industry is huge. So from the CEOs of those conglomerates, like for example, LVMH, to the workers who are producing this stuff in China, for example, this is gonna take a long time, but uh, I think the, the process has started. 
definitely it has been kicked off and definitely we will see repercussions and uh, results in the next couple of years, I think. Yeah, we can only hope, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but I think it was a little bit of a wake-up call for many, many people. I'm sure, yeah, the um, industry is, is, will have to reinvent themselves a lot uh, in the coming few months, especially because I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of, for example, stock that is just going to sit in retail or it has been sitting in retail exactly. for the last, uh, I don't know, three months now and yeah. everything's been shut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking about reinvention though, I think uh, I'd like to finish with a question about, um, so what would be your advice to somebody who is looking to reinvent themselves fashion-wise? <laughs> Apart from coming very... to you, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, so obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to take a little bit of time for yourself, which maybe some of us still have because of the you know restrictions taking place. Sit down and try to think what are the adjectives that you would like to describe yourself with and that definitely resonate with you. Write them down maybe put them aside for a couple of days or hours and then come back to them and see if you can truly kind of identify yourself with these adjectives and with these words. And then going from there, because most of the time they will belong to a certain clothing style. So if you're kind of adventurous, if you want to discover things, uh, maybe you want to dress more in a safari style. Or if you're romantic, if you're tender, uh, this is definitely the romantic style uh, in clothing. Try to see if you can follow this path uh, from the adjective describing yourself to the adjective that belong to a certain style of dressing. And then definitely consider your lifestyle. So if you want to dress romantically, but you actually have a banking job, how can you translate that romantic note into your suits and kind of office wear that you have to wear because of the dress code? And in a way, indeed, I mean, <laughs> this is where a professional comes in and says, look, maybe we can talk about this and I can help you do this. Uh, but I think the most important thing is really try to see what do you feel like? Who are you and what defines you? Do you have a favorite wardrobe choice? Like a, a go-to go piece. Yeah. I have to say lately, it has been jumpsuits. You know, overalls? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they are... Um, so for girls, it's super easy because uh, we have dresses. And when you put on a dress, you don't have to think about how to match your top with your bottom or anything else. You're dressed. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is kind of an elevated dress. It's a dress point 2.0, the jumpsuit, because it's uh, quite trendy, uh, can be a little bit edgy, but at the same time, you're fully dressed and you're just wearing one piece of clothing. So this is at the moment my kind of go-to style. I am so happy to be doing these interviews again. You learn so much by just talking to people who love what they do. Now, I've always thought that fashion styling and personal shopping are relatively straightforward. You go in, they look at you and bada bing, bada boom, you have a new wardrobe. But boy, was I wrong. I found it fascinating how human the entire process can be and how throughout the process, she is even acting as a sort of stand-in psychologist. 
transitions of any form is tough and it's true that the right clothes can really make a difference to the way that you feel at any moment it even gives you a a sense of confidence which uh, can be super helpful in pretty much every situation if you think about it so to be there for someone in their time of need in any way possible is a noble effort fast fashion industry i think the biggest challenge that they're going to face is going to be sustainability and i'm happy to see that she is someone who cares about that side of things as well and had some interesting conversations about uh, that side of the argument i'm excited to see how her work pans out you can find her on instagram at alessia shola and you can find the show at proj passion proj underscore passion both links are in the description as always i am looking forward to hearing from you so send in a message send in a voice note send in a hi i would love to hear from you share this episode with someone who loves clothes or someone who doesn't might actually be interesting for both see you next time